As Vicki said, we're starting a new sermon series today, and our first lesson is going to come from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 51 through 60. That's found on page 891 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestor used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. And Saul approved of their killing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been very fortunate throughout my life to get to travel to lots of different places. Usually when I travel, I I like to get a souvenir when I go on a trip. Over the years, I've collected lots of different things. I've got t-shirts of all kinds. I've got little keychains from everywhere you could think of, little snow globes. I've got everything. All of those things have ended up in the exact same place, in a box in the back of my closet, usually that goes to a, a charity shop to be donated sometime later. But when I went to Scotland many years ago, my mother gave me a different idea. She said, Brad, instead of spending all this money on souvenirs that you're not going to keep, when you go someplace new, just grab a little pebble. Look for one on the ground that reminds you of where you are, something that stands out to you. Grab a little pebble and and bring it back with you, and then we'll do something with all the pebbles that you gather. So I did. I walked around all places in Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland, picking up pebbles wherever I went. Well, actually, they were rocks. And I brought them back, a big bag of rocks from places like Edinburgh Castle and and St. Andrews and Iona, all those places. And when we got home, my mother helped me turn them into a rock garden, just a little garden with each of those rocks in them. And we labeled each of those rocks so that I could see all the places that I had been and hopefully remember some of the lessons that I learned when I was there. I love to travel, and those souvenirs help me remember my travels. 
I don't know how many of you ever watched the television show Rick Steves Europe on PBS, but Rick Steves said that the best souvenir that we can receive from travel, the best souvenir is a broadened perspective, a broader mind. And maybe he was, he was paraphrasing Mark Twain who said that travel is the, is the death of bigotry and prejudice and narrow-mindedness. For when we travel, we go out and see the world through new eyes, through new ways, through new perspectives. Well, over the next few weeks, you and I are going to go on a trip together. We're going to go on a trip through the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles are probably better described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to a different city each week, and in each city we're going to also look at a different character. And as we look at each of those characters, as we go through each of these cities, I want you to hopefully pick up a pebble, a little souvenir of what you learn and what we can remember from each of these places. Not a souvenir that you're going to throw in the back of your closet, but pick up a little pebble of something that you can remember that changed you when you visited the cities that we're going to visit. Today we're going to start in the city of Jerusalem, and let me tell you, there are lots of souvenirs to get in the city of Jerusalem. It's back just not too long after the, the resurrection and Jesus' ascension into heaven, maybe just a few months, maybe a year or so, but the church is not still really the church yet. The, the people who believe in Jesus are still attending synagogues and telling other people about Jesus. The apostles are going around to synagogues all over Jerusalem and, and telling them about the Easter story, telling them about Jesus Christ. There are people from all over who have come to, to Jerusalem. It's like a melting pot of Jewish people at this point. There are synagogues where people speak Aramaic, and there are synagogues where people speak Greek. They've come from Rome and Alexandria and other places. And the, the church or are, are the, the Christian numbers are growing so fast that the apostles can't keep up with all the work that they have to do. And so the apostles make a decision to commission and ordain deacons deacons to go and help them get the work done to care for the widows and the orphans and the people around Jerusalem that need help. These were the first deacons that we think of when we read scripture. And there were seven deacons if you look back in the in the book in the previous chapter, chapter 6, there are seven deacons there but there's only one name that we really remember and that's the name of Stephen. Because you see Stephen was extraordinary. Stephen and these other deacons were commissioned to go specifically to the Greek-speaking synagogues and, and preach the gospel and care for their people in those synagogues. And there were some people who believed, but there were many others who did not. They heard Stephen speak and talk about Jesus Christ, and they thought he was blaspheming. He was speaking against the law. He was telling them stories. He was hurting them and, and tearing down their tradition. And it made them very, very angry. Finally, and something that should be reminiscent of what Jesus went through, they brought him before a council of one of these synagogues and they brought people in and paid them to speak against him, to, to call him a blasphemer, to, to call him someone who broke the law. Stephen, in his defense, just talked about the history of Judaism from Moses all the way down to now of all the different times and all the different ways that God was faithful to the people of Israel, that God blessed the people of Israel, all the ways that the people of Israel were privileged and they had taken it for granted. 
They had taken for granted the ways that God had been working in their lives and God was working with them still. Well, that made them so mad. Guess what they did? They stuck their fingers in their ears. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear these terrible things that Stephen was telling to them, telling them they had been unfaithful. They stuck their fingers in their ears, and while they were there holding their ears, Stephen got a vision up in heaven of the Lord Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of God, and when he shared that vision with them, they had had enough. They took their fingers out of their ears and picked up stones and killed him. And that's why we remember Stephen. Because Stephen is the first person in Holy Scripture after Jesus Christ that died for his faith in Jesus Christ. He was the first martyr. All because he was telling people the truth. The truth that they did not want to hear. Now, if you had a good preacher, your good preacher would tell you that we all need to be like Stephen. But I will tell you, after some almost 20 years of preaching, I haven't met a single Christian, a a single disciple who wants to be a martyr, and I certainly haven't met a church who wants to be a martyr either. In fact, when I look at the church around me and look at people in the world, we don't look much like Stephen anymore. In fact, I think we look a lot more like that crowd sticking our fingers in our ears. We plug our ears when people say things that we do not want to hear. We plug our ears when people say things that are contrary to what we believe. We plug our ears when we encounter people who drive us crazy, who make us mad. We shout them down. That's the dialogue that we have in our world today. We put our fingers in our ears. We watch the news stations that repeat to us what we want to hear. We follow the people on Facebook and and Twitter that tell us the things that we like to hear. We ignore those voices that drive us crazy. We put our fingers in our ears and hear the one voice that's in the back of our head. We're a lot like that church those Christians, those, those Jews, in fact, who, who didn't believe in Jesus because they didn't want to hear what Stephen had to tell them. What a shame it would be if we came all the way to Jerusalem and our only souvenir was earplugs. But someone once told me one time, another pastor told me, that if we want to preach the gospel, we have to start preaching the gospel with our ears. We have to start being countercultural to the world around us. The world around us that says don't listen to those people who are different than you. No, we have to be countercultural and open our ears and open our doors and listen to their story. Even when their stories make us mad, even when their stories make us upset, even when they drive us nuts. To open our ears and preach the gospel with compassion. I shared this story with you years ago. It was a story about a a young teenager at one of my previous churches. Her name was Anna, and her mother, when she was a little child, bought her a teddy bear, maybe on a trip like a souvenir. Anna loved that little teddy bear as a child, took it everywhere, in fact, kind of treated it like an imaginary friend. She would talk to it from time to time. As she got older, she stopped 
playing with the bear so much, but she continued to talk to it when she needed someone to talk to. She would close her bedroom door and her mother would hear her on the other side of the door talking to that little teddy bear. Finally, Anna's mother told me she came to her one day, heard her talking on the other side of the door and opened the door to her room and said, Anna, you're too old for this. You're nearly 15 years old now. Why are you still talking to that bear? And Anna replied, because the bear is the only one who listens. It's a powerful thing to listen, to share compassion with other people, even when we disagree with them, to open our ears and to open our hearts and let them share their story with us. And contrary to what you hear on TV, just because you listen to somebody doesn't mean you agree with them. What it means is that you're not scared of what they have to say. Because God can handle anything they have to say. Like Mr. Rogers used to say, whatever is mentionable is manageable. We listen because we believe God can handle it. And when we listen to other people, when we show them that compassion and love, we share with them the peace of Christ. That peace that surpasses understanding. And in my experience, when we listen to others, they turn out to want to listen to us. Those Jews, they didn't want to listen to Stephen. They pulled out those earplugs and picked up stones, and they killed him. But the Scripture makes it clear that not everybody picked up a stone. But just because they didn't pick up a stone did not mean they were not still guilty. You might have heard that little introduction there in this passage. Literary critics will tell you this is probably the real meaning that this, of this passage that we read because in this passage we are introduced to Saul. Saul is someone we know better as Paul. Paul the Apostle, the one who spread the gospel all throughout the Mediterranean, the one who wrote half of the New Testament. But here, he is still Saul. And even though he doesn't pick up the stones, he does something else. He watches their coats while they stone him. They lay those coats at his feet. He doesn't speak up. He doesn't stop them. He just watches their coats like your mom watches your clothes when you go in for a swim. He watches their coats complicitly and complacently approving of what they're doing. I dare say we have a lot of people like Saul in our history too. In fact, maybe the greatest criticism of the church throughout our history is that we have been like Saul, watching people's coats, allowing other people to inflict pain and suffering in the world. That we've stood idly by and watched the pain in the world around us. Some of you might remember the story of Martin Niemuller. You've probably heard it before. He was a Lutheran, uh, Lutheran pastor in Germany during the 1920s and 30s. In his first time as a pastor, he tried very hard during as the Nazi regime took over to try to apologize for them, even kind of reconcile them, pretend like they were not doing anything wrong. But as time went on, the Nazis ended up telling the Christian church what they should be doing too. And finally he spoke out and he was thrown into prison, prison camps for it. He survived those prison camps, but what he is best known for is his quotation after World War II was over. 
He said, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for trade unionists, and I did not speak because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak for me. Paul stood there, holding their coats while they stoned Stephen to death. That's a long way to come. Tragic way to come to Jerusalem and all we are left with is souvenirs are earplugs and stones and coats laying on their ground. There must be something else. There must be some other kernel, some other pebble that we can take home with us that will change us, that will change the world. But it's only there if we have the courage to listen to open our ears and listen. Because when we open our ears and listen, we can hear that there's another gift, another souvenir that can change our lives. If we'll just have the courage to listen to the one who is driving us crazy. Just recently I've been reading a book called Surrender. It was written by the lead singer of U2. His name's Bono. You all know Bono. And all throughout his life, along with writing great music, he's also done some wonderful things around the world, fighting the AIDS pandemic in Africa and trying to reduce third world debt. And uh, he earned a lot of really good friends from the progressive liberal side from all the things that he did. But every now and then he would get some criticism from them too. Because every now and then he would reach out to people on the other side of the aisle, people like George Bush, people like Jesse Helms, people that normally he would be fighting against, but he would reach out to them to see if they could help in this cause to help people who were hurting around the world. His friends would get so mad at him. Members of his own band would get mad at him. And they would ask him, how can you sit down at table with people like this? And he would say, Simply, you don't have to have everything in common to be in community with someone. You just have to find one thing. One thing that matters more than all of those other things. One thing that is stronger than those things that pull you apart. That one thing that pulls you together. And as long as I am helping other people, I will keep searching for that one thing. Well, if we pull those earplugs out of our ears, we can hear that one thing in this passage. It comes right there towards the end, right when Stephen is breathing his last breaths. As he's breathing his last breaths, he offers a prayer that should sound familiar to us. Those of us who have just been through Good Friday, he breathes this prayer, this prayer asking God to forgive those people who are hurting him sounds a lot like Jesus hanging on the cross saying, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Don't hold it against them. In the midst of all this pain and suffering, He gives us what we need. Grace. That grace and forgiveness that even though we disagree with these people, they are still a part of the family of faith. Even though He has condemned them, they are still worthy and in need of God's love. Even though we have every reason to be a part, there's something stronger that pulls us together.
in the midst of all of these souvenirs of earplugs and stones and coats on the ground, the one that we are meant to take away is grace. To take that grace with us and to share it with the world. To take that grace with us and share it with our hands and our feet and our words and our actions and our ears. To take that grace with us and with our very last breath share the love of Jesus Christ. You know, if we did that, we might actually look like Stephen after all. Or maybe better yet, we'd look like Jesus Christ. To the glory of God. Amen.